take a deep breath in through your nose. Hold it. Now release slowly. Again, deep inhale. Hold. Release. Repeating internally to yourself as you connect to my voice. I am deeply well. I am deeply well. I am deeply well. I'm Debbie Brown, and this is the Deeply Well Podcast. Welcome to Deeply Well, a soft place to land on your journey, a podcast for those that are curious, creative, and ready to expand in higher consciousness and self-care. This is where we heal. This is where we become. Welcome back to the show. It's Debbie Brown, and we are diving in today. One of the the biggest things that I think um, hit so many of us on the journey, but it's definitely something that I have lasting questions about always, um, is about there being this perceived end to our suffering. There is an end to suffering, but there isn't an end to challenges because sometimes things that have happened to us just exist in our biology, no matter how much work we've done. This is a space that I love to dive into. This is the space where we find real freedom and acceptance and peace. And that is my intention for this episode. I hope as you listen, your heart is open, it's expanded, come into a place of neutrality. And let's investigate how we can make some very powerful shifts with my very special guest today. Today's guest, I am joined by Dr. Anita Phillips. She is a trauma therapist, a life coach, a minister, and an author. She's widely recognized as a thought leader at the intersection of mental health, faith, and culture. She is releasing her first book, The Garden Within, where the war with your emotions ends and your most powerful life begins. Dr. Anita has unearthed links between cutting-edge scientific inquiry and scripture's ancient use of gardens to reveal what it means to truly flourish. She seamlessly integrates the spiritual, psychological, and biological dimensions of the human experience. This book provides the tools for people to nurture parts of themselves that have been misunderstood for too long, setting them free to live just as the Creator intended, authentic, fruitful, and powerful. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. There have been so many legendary healers Mm. in this scene, so I'm honored to sit with you. I'm so happy you're here. And when I was first like looking forward, uh, looking through your work and looking through the things that you are birthing, especially in this year with this new book, um, I felt, I said, oh, that's a woman of my own heart, you know, especially when I read the mix between psychological, biological, and this human and spiritual experience. You know, we are here for a lot of things. And so often, especially when people are looking to advance and um, become themselves, remember themselves, you know, people often take one approach and then feel frustrated that everything else isn't balancing out because you're doing the one thing or focusing on the one facet of your life. And what I've come to know for myself and my own journey um, over the years is that once you kind of master or come into deep awareness around one facet of how you show up in the world, you're then invited to do it with every other possible way you are seen and experienced. Indeed, indeed, every way. (laughs) That's so true. Yeah. You know, we are interdependent systems Mm. and Western culture has too often convinced us to deal with ourselves in parts, but it's not possible. So just like a car engine has 300 different parts, but together power emerges from the system, we have to understand ourselves the same way. 
But I believe the creator designed us to function as gardens and gardens are systems. And they are more, the parts of a garden are more interdependent even than in a car. Because if I pull a plant out of the ground to examine it, I can't because I've killed it. It will be dead. We must look at how we work as a system, a living system, to understand that all of our parts depend on each other. So our spiritual, our emotional, our mental, our physical lives, each one is feeding the other. And when we just try to focus on the mind, which is what we overwhelmingly do, yes, we are absolutely missing the big picture. Oh, that is so beautifully said. You know, it's 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 the sum of all the parts and experiences and it's using all the parts and, you know, that piece about our heads. You know, I think when um, when a, a lot of this kind of big paradigm shifting energy started permeating the planet again in the last few years, you know, the the lead kind of anchor of the conversation was around specifically mental health and the way that it connects to therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually very often like cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. And it's like... <laughs> I'm not a fan. Yeah. <laughs> not a fan. And, you know, I would have so many people say, oh, you know, with like, I've been in therapy for 20 years. And I'm like, but you shouldn't be necessarily, you know, that... Are we working our process? Are we learning the processes Mm -hmm. that actually allow us to shed, release, and Mm -hmm. become more? And, you know, I think that's one of the greatest gifts of this moment is knowing that there are so many multiple paths to this work. Now, as, um, as a therapist, specifically connected in the very deep, delicate, and massively important work of trauma, how did you come into that space. You know, that's, it takes its toll and therapists don't get a chance to talk about this as much because usually when you're talking, um, you're in service. So you're helping another um, or you're expanding a mind and a heart. And, but to actually study the work and understand how trauma affects us, what it does to us, what it may have done to the individual studying, um, it's an incredibly somber and sobering work. It is sobering, but it's also awe-inspiring. Yeah. Because our fragility, there's a beauty in that. And the fact that we can heal, also mm-hmm. beauty. And so it's painful to see what breaks, but it is awe-inspiring how we're made. And I came into this work like a lot of people do. I'm a trauma survivor. Mm-hmm. I had an older sister who had a severe mental illness, and that brought a lot of trauma to our family system, um, emotionally, relationally, but also spiritually. I'm a pastor's kid, traditional wow. Black church, grew up. And so when my sister started having hallucinations of demons, well, how do we, in, how do we intervene? What's actually happening here? And so that began a long journey for me as a trauma survivor. I'm also a sexual abuse survivor, a rape survivor. So I have my own traumas. And in my early 20s, I had an encounter that allowed me to know that this isn't the past. In my body, it's the present. Mm. And that's where the questions began. How do we carry this? Why is it still here? What do we do about it? Not rushing to condemn it, but to be curious. Yeah. And so that's how I started this journey to going into trauma work. And it is the most sacred work, the best work. I can't imagine any other work Mm. that people will allow me into their darkest places Mm. and trust me to walk them out. It's such an honor. It's an honor. That's, yeah. It is. It's an honor. And I'm addicted to the work. I'm addicted to seeing the light come on in someone's eyes. I'm addicted to seeing their body posture shift. Mm-hmm. I'm addicted to seeing their relationship with the creator rewritten and repaired because so often it has been written abusively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm addicted. I have no qualms about admitting that. I'll never get over it. I love, love, love the way you expressed all of that, it's, you know, watching the light come on in someone is just like the most, I could cry right now. Like it's Me just, too. <laughs> it's the most exquisite, extraordinary thing, you know, and it's interesting, like, and I love the way, you know, to be able to, to hold such grace in your body as you mm-hmm. do such a difficult work. And as you speak to a difficult work, mm-hmm. you know, I think that is one of I imagine so many of the people that have worked for you, that brings forward such a healing in and of itself, Mm -hmm. just to see you hold really heavy things, but without 
having um, a pitifulness in mm. the way that that person is being experienced or shock or horror or just kind of like, yes, this is true. Mm-hmm. And other things are true too or can be. Right. That's so important because I'm always communicating to them, to my clients, to the people who trust me, that they're safe. Yeah. That this journey is assured and that they are going to be okay. And so in that way, I'm a midwife. Mm. No one stands next to a woman giving birth and all is well. She's uncomfortable. There's a lot going on, but the midwife knows the pain is going to pass and she's confident in her capacity to accompany this woman while she does this work. And that's how I feel. So I'm, I'm present. I care. I'm touched by the pain, but I'm also excited about the journey because I know what's going to be birthed. Mm. And I want them to feel that confidence from me that we're going to get there together. So for me, it's not a challenge. I know some people feel like for some people experience it differently, you know, listening to the harder stories, taking the weight. But I'm so confident in the outcome Mm. that I just can treasure what I'm being given. Ah. It's just so beautiful to take you in. Thank you. I love everything that you're sharing. It's so powerful, so meaningful, so important. Um, A way that I relate to that myself is like I I share with clients and with friends, you know, I'm built for the dark. Yes. Listen. I'm built for it. Yeah. We're kindred spirits right there. Yes. I am. I'm built for it. One of my girlfriends was like, you know, I feel like I just always am coming to you with hard stuff and I don't want you to have to always like, that's a lot on you. And I was like, Thank you for that. You know, thank you absolutely for having an awareness of my participation and Mm -hmm. what it may require. But also, I'm built for this. And there are some people that can hold pain and darkness and trauma in a way that actually feels really beautiful for both parties. And like, that's something I treasure about myself. Yeah, I love that about you immediately because (sighs) I understand what you're saying. Yes. It's that Harriet, I call that Harriet Tubman anointing. Yeah. I will come and get you. I know the way. Mm. I know the way. And I will keep going back to places that I escaped from and I will come and get you and it will be dark and it will be scary. And you might try to quit and I'm going to lean on you if you do. And we are coming out of here. It's it's an anointing. It's a calling and it's an anointing to do the work. You know what I think is uh, really beautiful in reading through some of your story is you know, right now, we're, I think we're at a big moment, especially for the Black church, mm-hmm. as it comes to understanding that there are more tools available to us and God requires our participation. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a co-creation. For you to, you know, one of the things in your bio speaks to your background as a therapist, your background in faith as a minister. How did it feel early on when you realized that those two worlds could merge mm-hmm. um, and that it was also like, I imagine, really necessary for them to be merged for people, especially so people can break out of the, I've been in therapy for 20 years and begin that kind of one-on-one relationship. What what was that experience like for you bringing those worlds together? You know, I was very fortunate in that my mother wrote a piece of my story really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, At one point, my sister eventually became addicted to drugs trying to self-medicate her mental illness and so much um, confusion for our family. And my mom, I once walked in on her just crying. She was just crying that way you cry when nobody's, you don't think anybody's there. And I walked in on that and she turned and looked at me, those tears streaming down her face. And she said, I don't know what's happening with your sister. I know there's something wrong and we don't understand it, but know this, Mm. God is good. And one day we'll understand this and we'll realize it was human error. It was something that went wrong, but it won't have been God. And so as a young person, that sealed something for me. It protected the creator's place in my heart and left me pursuing answers. But the answer could never be that the creator wasn't good, that that was not an option. And so her assurance that somewhere in that Bible was an answer, even if she never found it herself, I I absorbed that faith. I soaked it up like a sponge and I went searching for it. So the answer was already there in that this scripture somewhere in here in this sacred book that has survived all these thousands of years, despite how it's been misused, misapplied, it's still laying here that somewhere in there is an answer. And let's just believe God, he's going to give it to us. And he did by walking me into a garden. 
I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, it's about gardens. Mm. And we have taken that storyline for granted in a Mm. sense, you know, being so self-focused, like, oh, six days of describing the creator planting a garden and we've diminished that to a cool place for us to live. No, the creator was laying out our parts. Like we lay out our Ikea furniture. We lay out all the parts. He was laying out the parts. And on the sixth day, the garden that the creator made, we wrapped it up into a person. We're embodied gardens. And so every single day of creation that's described, describes some aspect of our spiritual, emotional, mental, or biological functioning. There's a biological map in Eden. And I followed it there because I believed that we don't have to separate our knowledge sources, Mm. that I can pull something out of spirit that's completely applicable in my neurobiology class. And that turned out to be true. And so when we now look at cutting edge science, we are seeing how much like plants we really are. Plants communicate with each other in the same way that our neurons do. They send chemicals between their roots and send messages to each other about whether the soil's getting crowded or there's enough water or bugs are attacking us. And the chemicals that they use include neurotransmitters. There's dopamine and serotonin in the soil. And there's dopamine and serotonin in the soil of my body. And as a person whose spiritual life is embodied through the expression of Christianity, When I look at scripture, on day three, the creator made plants, and on day six, he made people. So the plants are modeled after me. I'm modeled after them. And so while we're doing all this science and we're asking all these questions, a tree has had the answer the entire time. (laughs) The trees have had the answer the entire time. The soil has had the answer. Seed, soil, plant, fruit. That is the entire answer to all of our questions of human behavior. Seed, soil, plant, fruit in every culture, in every language, in every era. People understand those things. Mm -hmm. So the creator wrote this very simple lesson plan and we've been mucking it up and making it complex, but it's not. Seed is spirit. It's the words that we speak Mm -hmm. and they fall in the soil of our heart. Our emotional lives are critical to our belief systems. And then that seed, if the plant, if the seed finds a heart that has what it needs, the plant springs up. That's our mind. Those are our thoughts. And then the fruit is the behavior, the decisions, but also our physical health and, and what manifests. And so that's all. We are words which sometimes become beliefs in hearts that are emotionally fertile for those words, good or bad. And then our mind is just the plant asking questions about the seed and then a fruit, what we do. That's it. That's the whole thing. And because emotions are bodily experiences, and this is the critical lesson that I want people to get. Emotions are not the result of your thoughts. Mm -hmm. They are bodily experiences that precede your thinking Mm -hmm. and shape your thinking Mm -hmm. and guide your thinking. So everyone who's running around saying, I'm not an emotional person. No, you don't know that you're emotional. You are not aware of your emotions because culture and pain have trained us to disconnect from our bodies. But we are all emotional beings as much as we are physical beings. Emotions are biological experiences. And so we have to reconnect to our bodies, our spirits, and realize our mind is just a product of those things. And so you don't start solving a problem by, with the outcome. You start with the input. If I have a tree and it's bearing fruit that I don't like, I don't just pick the fruit and think I'm done. I got to address the tree itself. And to do that, I got to dig down into the ground. So everything goes back to the soil of our hearts, our emotional lives, our, our divine base. And that throws some people off, you know, even in the tradition that I come from, like, no, our spirit is the base. <sighs> no, it's an input. Yeah, not it's for this experience. Not for this experience. Yeah. yeah, in this room, the the heart-spirit relationship is inseparable. Yeah. And Jesus taught this. In the parable of the sower, it's in Matthew 13. Jesus tells a story called the parable of the sower about a sower going out and sowing all these seeds on different types of soil. Mm. And he identifies the different types of soil using emotion descriptors. Mm. One soil is flat, dry. The seed falls on it. A bird eats it. The soil cannot do anything for the seed. And he applies no emotion to that soil. There's nothing. And then there's one that's called stony ground. And Jesus says it started out with joy in it, but then anger got into it and it killed the seed. Mm. And then there's a soil that had fear in it. 
and thorns grew out of that space. He's using this extensive emotional language and we have not been listening to that. And he says, these are hearts. These are heart states and the seed is God's word. So when divine words fall on the soil, the state of the heart will impact how that seed grows. And so your emotional life is an active ingredient in your spiritual life. And we've been trying to separate it and believe in spite of our feelings instead of cultivating wellness in our hearts so that we can receive seeds well. And so that's why I say our emotion is such a base because how we feel matters to God to us and to the people who love us. How we feel matters. Everyone listening, give yourself an opportunity right now to just take a deep breath here. Mm. Like, let's just metabolize all of this just (laughs) incredibly, phenomenally explained information that you just took in. Take a couple deep breaths here. And there's no solutions to be had and you don't have to find where everything goes in this exact moment. But when you get space as you're listening to this episode, I really want you this week to rewind to that entire piece that Dr. Anita Phillips shared with us and play that back a few times. Think about it, journal to it, see what comes up for you in that. Um, That, I mean, that was just utterly gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Deeply well. Are you all about the NBA action? You've got to try Pick 6, the newest fantasy app from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Getting started is simple. Just download the DraftKings Pick 6 app and sign up with code TBE. Pick at least two players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat. Like, will they score more or less than 30 points? Or have more or less than eight assists? Lock them in and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and get started with code TBE. New customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Only on DraftKings Pick 6 with code TBE. The crown is yours. One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit to receive a match of up to $100 in Pick 6 credits. Non-withdrawable and valid for Pick 6 use only. Expire after 180 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman, some would call a thought leader. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better. 
I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. No unexplained theories, no mundane lessons, no using 20 words when two will do. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. I'm giving you straight talk, relatable stories, and life lessons through my own experiences and the lens of others. We're not just talking about why financial freedom is important. We're focusing on how you can achieve it too. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done from the streets to the suites. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There were so many things that you said that I'm like, I have individual thoughts on right now, but... <laughs> Please, I love that. Love to hear I'm that. like trying to get back into the midst of it. Um, first things first, I want to just speak to the power of your mother mm-hmm. and how... I mean, that is a master class on showing up as a parent for your child and not even having the expectations that you have to have all the answers. Yeah. You know, so often I think parents, people, there is this shame, there's this fear, there's this kind of anger and frustration around not knowing some things, Mm -hmm. especially when you need to be the emotional support for your family or help your child understand and process. And there is space to be in the midst of it too yeah. and hold space for someone else. Um, and it, yeah, what she shared with you was so powerful to me and the way that it entered your body. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the exact term you used, but you you said something along the lines of that allowed like creator to still be secure in your heart. Yeah, it was a protection. It put a guard <sighs> on my heart. It, you know, the Bible says to guard your heart. Yeah. Proverbs 423. She put some guard around my heart so that it wouldn't escape, that faith wouldn't escape my heart. You know, we talk about guarding our hearts, not letting something in, but it's also yes. about what we don't let escape. I'm not going to allow this situation to let hope escape. I'm not going to let faith escape. I will not let love escape. I'm guarding something precious and nothing in this world. I won't allow it to escape. It's not about barring everything out. Sometimes it's about making sure that you keep something from getting out. And she guard, she put a guard there that day. That's just the deepest testament to faith. Mm-hmm. And what I what I deeply believe we are unpacking as a society right now is like these words that we have been using to really assert our character or mm-hmm. what we think you know those words will mean about us. A lot of people have had different definitions for these words or different technical implementation and understanding of them. Um, but that piece, like being able to submerge in your faith, mm-hmm. being able to cultivate a spiritual confidence, because without it, we can't do the work. We simply can't. Yeah, there, it, We have to rest in something that is so much bigger than us to give ourselves the space and the freedom to excavate, to, mm-hmm. to do the, you know, the tilling of the soil, yeah. and the, you know, it's just, that's just divine. That is just beautiful. Um, your, your new book, mm-hmm. The Garden Within, Where the War with Your Emotions Ends and Your Most Powerful Life Begins. Can you speak to us? I mean, I know that you just did, but can you speak to us about some of the processes in this book? Mm-hmm. And especially for someone that may, that may feel like they've been doing some of the work, that mm-hmm. there's a certain awareness, you know, what are some of the ways that they can actually come to embodiment with your book? I think I like to say that this isn't a self-help book. It's a self-understanding book mm. because so many of us have read so many self-help books yes. and it's four steps to this and three tips for that and two hacks for this. And I understand the desire for those kind of tips and tricks. Yeah. But there's an assumption in that. Yeah, it's not it's not my thing because a lot of times you want to know what to do without understanding what you're working with. Yeah. If I can help you understand how you're created, you can solve your problem over and over because you can go back and reinvigorate the system. Mm -hmm. And so I think this will help people who have found themselves stuck in certain ways on their healing journey Mm -hmm. to kind of redefine the destination. A lot of us are on journeys with no destination. How will you know when you are healed? Is it just you'll be out of pain? Yeah. Because guess what? That's never coming. There's always going to be pain in life. And so the book is really focused on helping you understand how you're made, recognizing emotion as the soil in that garden, what that means spiritually. Then the second part of the book is what it means in terms of your thinking. 
So really help you to transition in your mind the way you've wanted to, but haven't been able to. Mm. And then finally, biologically, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So there's deep lessons here about the nervous system, Mm -hmm. about our parasympathetic nervous system, recognizing that our vagus nerve is actually a tree. It's designed like a tree in the center of our garden. And how do we touch our bodies to heal our hearts and minds? Because we've been trying to think our way out of trauma Mm. and we have to bodily heal our way through it. Have to. We have to. I was talking to a a beautiful group of women last night about this, and there were many women in the room who were grieving. Mm -hmm. And the spirit just arrested me and said, just let's talk about grief. And I wanted to encourage them, your body needs to heal from the loss of your loved one. Yeah. We're so used to cognitive behavioral therapy, these cultural tropes about the mind. But the book is really focused on helping you see that your body is the healing first step. Yeah. And that take the time to eat, drink water, sleep, be still, wrap up in blankets, smell good candles, go to the ocean, Mm -hmm. sit, Mm -hmm. allow your body to heal because that's where it begins. We can't think past our bodies. Mm -hmm. And the book is very focused on that, that we are embodied gardens and we haven't understood our biology on a basic level. And so we're trying to get all these tips and tricks, but we don't understand how the machine is working. So the book is really focused on that whole spirit, mind, body connection, and that it's rooted in the emotional life, the heart. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. And you know, that piece, like without, um, just in the reading and the absorbing of information or having these tips or tricks, you're not giving yourself the chance to learn a core piece of why I believe we're here, which is developing devotion. Mm. It's developing, you know, the discipline. And I don't mean discipline in the way we use it. Mm -hmm. I mean it as like a discipline, Mm -hmm. a system, a thing that you are looking to master in service to the way that you operate Mm -hmm. and your relationship with creator. And yeah, those are, those are the pieces that I think get the majority (laughs) of people that desire to grow a little bit stuck, Mm -hmm. you know, because it isn't the first time. Right. It isn't, you know, or it may be the breakthrough the first time, but then you got to have the patience to be with your body Mm -hmm. as it starts to do things that make you uncomfortable in the healing process. Right. Because pain is sometimes a part of the process. There's a story I share in the book about the birth of my daughter. I had my daughter, my, both my son and my daughter without um, pain medication. But with my son, I was still at the hospital with my daughter. I wasn't. I studied a birthing method that actually taught me that my emotional state would indicate where in the birth journey I was. Mm. And they call them emotional signposts. And so at different wow. points during my labor at home, we were calling the midwife saying, hey, I think I'm in this place. And she said, well, has your water broken? No. How close your contractions? They were far. All of the visible signs mm-hmm. were saying that my labor wasn't progressing. But emotionally, I was mapping exactly what this method had taught me. And I ultimately ended up having my daughter at home mm-hmm. because they kept saying, you don't need to come to the hospital. You're not close. But I knew I was close. Every emotional signpost was there. Mm. And when she was born, I realized I had been able to follow my heart on this birthing journey, that my emotions were a more reliable indicator of where I was than the visible signs the doctor was looking for. Mm. And that was life-changing for me because I realized the relationship between my emotions and my body and that power is within me. If I listen, I can birth a powerful thing. There was no instruction in this birthing method on how to avoid the painful emotions. Mm -hmm. The goal was to note them Mm -hmm. and take the information about where I was in the process of birthing something new in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's true for us all the time. But I don't want, especially my Black brothers and sisters, to get out of hand because we can sometimes take pain as a lifestyle and try and apply meaning to every single thing. Our tolerance is high. One, because of what we've been through, but two, because we do have an enduring belief that there's order in the spirit realm. And so when we endure pain, we believe some order must be coming to this. But sometimes Mm -hmm. we take it a little too far and we want to have a reason for everything. I don't believe in that. Some people say that everything happens for a reason. I say, yeah, but not always a good reason. Yeah. Sometimes it's just ish, you know, and we need to not own all of that pain as purpose, but realize that we can follow 
a journey that is sometimes indicated through pain that we're close to being to the pleasure on the other yeah. side. Does that make sense? Oh gosh, a million percent. You yeah. know, and I think that that is that's the understanding that has been taught for thousands of years that we choose to kind of look away from. Mm-hmm. In the sense, you know, I think back to some of my favorite poetry from from Rumi, 13th century Persian poet. Right. And he was saying, you know, let darkness be your candle. Yeah. You know, when you think about catalyzing pain and darkness for your highest good, um, the, yeah, the alchemy of that, it's just, it's so divine. Yeah. But to also what we're speaking to, you get to a point, especially when you become safe in your body, where you can actually learn through joy, you mm-hmm. can learn through pleasure. Yes. But if we have been so used to learning through pain and our tolerance is so high for it generationally, mm-hmm. then Joy actually feels like sometimes the worst option of the two. Yeah. Because you don't have experience with it. Don't trust it. You don't trust it. It feels so foreign. And then it brings to light, why wasn't I ever feeling this before? Yeah. Why wasn't this on the table for me this whole time? But yeah, those those knowings, those those insights are, it's the map. Mm -hmm. You know, pain can be our map. Mm Mm-hmm. Until we get to a certain point that we realize we can find a map of joy and yeah. pleasure and neutrality and just kind of, you know, of all the deep observation. Yeah. And yeah. feel all of the things. And all not to, I think sometimes we resist joy because we are afraid it's fleeting. Yes. Um, it is. But you know what? Pain can be fleeting too. Yeah. They both are. They both are, right? We need them both. We do need them both. And sometimes we stay near the pain so that we're not blindsided when it comes. We're so afraid of it that we're like, if I take my eyes off it, it might sneak up on me. And we don't realize that that means I'm binding myself to pain Mm -hmm. because I'm afraid that if I stop thinking Mm -hmm. about it, stop looking at it, stop feeling it, it'll suddenly sneak up on me. Yeah. And so I'll just stay in pain. Yeah. And I have someone listening. Yeah. Right now is thinking, dang, that's the truth. I'm so busy trying not to be surprised by pain that I'm allowing myself to be in pain all the time. Yes. Rather than be worried about when it might come back. Yeah, the ebbs and flows. We'll never get away from it. So it's like that deep surrender that, okay, grief's present. Oh, Mm -hmm. look, joy is present. Mm -hmm. Use them both. We have to. Absolutely. And there's a power attached to it. Yeah. Um, Again, looking at the life of Jesus, another one of those kind of watershed moments for me as I was working on this work of understanding what emotions really are for. Jesus was incredibly emotional. Mm. We see this intensely emotional man who expressed his emotional pain in public, in words, in bodily expressions. Jesus was intensely emotional. We see Jesus standing in front of Lazarus' tomb, crying in front of everyone. Mm -hmm. Some people say he was crying because his friend died. Some say because he was thinking about his own death. We don't know, but we know he was crying. And we also know he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Yet even though he knew some powerful outcome was coming, he still felt it was okay to express his pain in the moment. Mm. And we often don't feel like that's okay for us. But Jesus expressed that pain. He cried in public. Jesus flipped tables in the temple when he was mad, whipped people, Mm. threw them out. He went off because his father's house was being disrespected and he never apologizes for that. Jesus is in Gethsemane crying out, begging his father for him not to be crucified. Mm. that's a fear moment. Mm -hmm. And we don't like to talk about that, but Jesus was having the emotion of fear because he had a human body. So he was feeling all our feelings. There's no record of him repenting ever for any of that. He never reflected on it negatively. And we would have been like, oh, I broke down. I broke down. But but Jesus never judged himself for that. I think that's so important. But in every one of those moments, we see shortly after Jesus do something powerful. Mm-hmm. He's crying and then he's raising a man from the dead. Mm-hmm. He's flipping tables and then he performs healing miracles. Mm-hmm. He's crying in Gethsemane scared. And then he comes out and faces the soldiers who have come to kill him. And he identifies himself. I am he. And his voice is so powerful. The Bible says the soldiers were knocked to the ground by his voice five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. He was crying to God mm-hmm. for a break. Mm-hmm. We have to stop believing that our emotional pain and our spiritual power are mutually exclusive. They're not. They're not. They're not. And we feel like they are. Like, I'm not in faith. I'm not powerful. I'm not if I'm crying, if I'm scared. Yeah. We feel like that automatically cancels out faith. It does not. 
Jesus's most powerful moments in scripture followed his most painful emotional expressions every time. Mm. And I don't think we've made that connection before. And so whether you are a Jesus follower like me or not, the stories matter. This, yeah. this link is important yeah. because somehow culturally we've missed this. Deeply. Wow. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to the European political systems class at Baruch College. Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman, some would call a thought leader. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better. I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. No unexplained theories, no mundane lessons, no using 20 words when two will do. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. I'm giving you straight talk, relatable stories, and life lessons through my own experiences and the lens of others. We're not just talking about why financial freedom is important. We're focusing on how you can achieve it too. We all might have different starting points and end goals, But as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done. From the streets to the suites. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? This your boy Jerry Clark, and I am the host of Storytime with Legendary Jerry Podcast. For the last 30 years, I have worked with some of your favorite artists. Like Outkast, Killer Mike, Jeezy, Akon, Jermaine Dupri, and so many, many more. Storytime with Legendary Jerry isn't old to the South. Southern rap has had the game on lock for years, and now I'm telling you legendary stories of how we did it. Like Pastor Troy doing the ad libs for one of Justin Timberlake's biggest hits. Whenever you listen to Cry Me a River, man, I'm all through them ad libs on that song. It's that one and what if I told you Jazzy Faye and CeeLo have an unreleased album just sitting in the vault waiting? Now, you and CeeLo had a group for a minute, man. Yeah, we had a whole album in the can. We got a, we have a whole album. Now I have partnered with iHeart Podcast to bring you one of the hottest podcasts in the game, telling you some of the most unheard stories in the music industry. Listen to Storytime with Legendary Jerry on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all, and for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality Lisa Gibbons. Action is the antidote for fear. And nurse and dementia researcher Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have to speak up. We have to share our experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There came a point after Christianity was developed that we so kind of like edified Christ as as 
a vehicle of worship to him. But we don't always look at the fact that Christ's teachings were made perfect because of his mastery, That's because right. of his embodiment, because of his, yes, he of was living embodied. everything that he was saying. Yes. And that is a piece that I think really misses for so mm-hmm. many people. You don't just say them. You have to have the process of being that, yes. which means the imperfect human experience, feeling all emotions, not judging yourself, giving yourself access to those emotions, yes. being of service, you know, and it's just, yeah. Oh, we missed God, it. It's just slipped away from us. Yeah. yeah. We've worshiped, yeah. worshiped Christ, but we missed Jesus. Yeah. The human. Yeah. Christ mm-hmm. as a man mm-hmm. is so breathtaking. Yeah. You know, the life of Yeshua as a being, as a as a person on earth. Yeah. Who still had this divine connection to the Lord and mm-hmm. the ability to mm-hmm. radiate it and express it. Um, as you were talking, I was thinking of Second Corinthians, which like saved my life. Um, mm-hmm. But when you think about crying out over the weaknesses, when you think about you know the thorn in your flesh, and let yourself have the release of the cry. Yes, because the cry teaches you to surrender and then come back into the faith exactly, and understand the cycle of it. Right. But if we don't release the emotion, if we don't give ourselves the opportunity to mm-hmm. be vocal about our experience, we bypass all of it. Right. And it's in us still. Yeah. So we know now our autonomic nervous system is the source of these biological experiences and sensations that we label as emotion. So when that sympathetic nervous system is running and your heart's racing and your intestines are all tied up, it turns off your tear ducts Mm. and you're in that fight, flight, freeze moment. Mm. But there's another side of the autonomic nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system, whose job it is to turn off the fight, flight, freeze system and bring us back into a state of peace and equilibrium. That system turns the tear ducts on. Mm. And so when we feel the tears rising, the cry rising, that's actually our body trying to bring us back to peace. Mm. But because we say, I don't want to cry, I don't want to do that, we're actually resisting Mm -hmm. the repair system. Mm -hmm. And we're asking our bodies to remain in a state of fight or flight or freeze. And so when Jesus expressed, he was allowing the divinely designed biology that he was now wrapped in, he would have known it well. He was one of the creators of it Mm -hmm. to activate that parasympathetic nervous system and bring his body back into a peace that could walk out of Gethsemane and face death with peace. Mm -hmm. But if he had not cried, he would not have been able to shift his own body. Mm -hmm. And so even though we didn't have parasympathetic nervous system language back then, he was doing the job. Yeah. And that. The thing that is so interesting to me is like, we didn't have the language, but we did have the system. Listen. You know, if you look back to Ayurveda, thousands, three to 5,000 years old, the first science. Built in. You know, yes. it mm-hmm. Everything that is a practice in in most wisdom traditions from thousands of years ago. Yep is about soothing your nervous system. It is. It's about being with your body and learning ways to be devotional with your temple yes. in support of the soul. 100%. <gasps> These truths have this been buried amazing. in the soil of our bodies all along. As we are getting ready to close out this yeah. episode, uh, at the end of the episode, I love to do what I call soul work with everyone listening, which is take it into practice. You know, you heard this episode and now how can you move through the week with Mm. some of the learnings? So if you have any soul work and maybe it's a practice from your book that you would share Mm. with everyone listening that they can kind of really sink their teeth into this week. Yeah. I would like people to touch their bodies this week Mm. with love, with gentleness, and with a clear recognition that your body is you. It's not a separate entity that you're wrapped in. It's Mm. you. So I'd like your listeners to um, at least once a day, sit still with their bodies, see what their bodies are feeling, help them be in touch with where they are emotionally, and then just run your own hand across your body. Run it down your arm, run it down your leg, wrap your arms around yourself. And say some kind words to your body. Mm. Your body is you. Call it by name. I'll say, Anita, you're safe. And run my hand down my own arm. Hug my own body. And talk to your body knowing that it is you. Mm. 
people will be amazed how that shifts where you are emotionally. And remember, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And everything you need to heal, the raw material of that work is within you. Mm. Connect with that this week. And if that brings something out in words for your mind, write them down. But don't skip the touch. Don't skip the physical connection. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Dr. Anita Phillips, new book available. Do the pre-orders, buy it. Yes, please. (laughs) And the title again is The Garden Within, where the war with your emotions ends and your most powerful life begins. How can everyone stay in touch with you? I am on all the socials. Well, I won't say I'm on all the socials. I show up a lot on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Anita Phillips, Dr. Anita Phillips, and also my website, anitaphillips.com. They can find me there as well. Amazing. The Garden Within. Go get that. Thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure talking to you. Same. Thank you. Catch you next week. Namaste. Connect with me on social at Debbie Brown. That's Twitter and Instagram. Or you can go to my website, DebbieBrown.com. And if you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, don't forget, please rate, review, and subscribe and send this episode to a friend. Deeply Well is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. It's produced by Jacquees Thomas, Samantha Timmons, and me, Debbie Brown. The beautiful sound bath you heard? That's by Gerilyn Glass from Crystal Cadence. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.